This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Overdue, it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Beer, every New Bear, everybody. Happy New, Happy new Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Get that old bear out of here. Yeah, in with the old out out with the old, in with the new bear here on mm-hmm. Overdue, a podcast where each week one of us reads a book and tells the other person about it and that's not changing this year no not this year maybe next year maybe next year we'll get our our stuff together and come up with a different (laughs) idea (laughs) (laughs) not that we're looking for one it's just you know you never know always got to be moving like sharks we are podcast sharks always moving forward keep potting just keep potting or we'll die yeah (laughs) so andrew we are celebrating january 2024 with two weeks in a row we're going to cover Works that have recently entered the public domain. Ooh, the public domain, you say? Yes. It's, That's my favorite domain. It's sort of like a, a an internet town square, mm-hmm. but it's for ideas. <laughs> Somebody should make that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Weird. Um, and we figured we would kick it off with one that is at the top of a lot of the, like, here's what's coming in the public domain this year list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to talk about the house at Pooh Corner. Mm-hmm. The you you know if it's A A Milne or A A Milne? I believe it is A A Milne. Cool. All right. Great. A A Milne has a nice like <laughs> poetry to it, but I'll, I can accept that it's not pronounced that way. That's fine. A guy named Milne is is carrying stuff, but it looks very precarious. A A Milne. A A. Oh. So we, we first, you read the book this week, Andrew. I did read the book. I read The House at Pooh Corner by A.A. Milne. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm glad I'm glad that you said the thing so I didn't have to take a crack at the name pronunciation before <laughs> we could talk about it. No problem. We uh, talked about Winnie the Pooh 10 years ago? So long ago that that podcast episode may be ready to enter the public domain. Maybe, in fact. I said that to you yesterday and you said, not until we die, baby. <laughs> So. Yeah, but <laughs> that's it. Depends <laughs> on the country. There are countries that have a, a like X number of years after the author's death. Sure, way yes. of doing it, which is not how the United States does it. That's true. Episode um, seventeen. Wow, back that before old. that is old. Back before a lot of things. Back before a lot of things, including kind of the shared research labor that we now do. Easier to say like what we were doing yep. rather than list like. It was still a podcast about books, essentially. Yeah. Was the <laughs> yeah. That's what that was. That's the part we're still doing. Um, so we're covering this one because it's it's in the public domain, and I have never read this. You had ever never. You, I, so oh, we I know about seen, Pooh. We're I know people about in the universe. Yeah, we're people in the universe. A lot of the early, like those early Pooh cartoons, were adaptations of stuff yeah. from the first two books. And then yeah. later they did, I think in the 80s or 90s, they did that New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh cartoon. Yes. That was 
yeah. that I did watch a lot of, but okay. doesn't sure. have a lot to do with like these specific stories. Uh, but yeah, so Pooh and like the first Pooh book and all the characters in it entered the public domain in 2022. Correct. Yes. Um, but so the big thing about this one is that one, all these stories are in the public domain. Fine. But also now the character Tigger is in the public domain. Sure. As well. Yes. And, and that so includes if the you need illustrations? a bouncy, it includes the illustrations, I believe. If you if you need a bouncy tiger in your work, mm-hmm. then you can do it now without fearing suits. Yes, yes, and we're going to within talk... re- with, within within certain parameters, which we'll talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Andrew's excited to talk about that. Um, so let's cover Milne uh, briefly here. He's born in 1882, died in 1956. Uh, he studied at the Westminster School and Trinity College, Cambridge. I just love it when someone's career is like, got a degree in mathematics. I'm going to pursue freelance writing and join a (laughs) humorist magazine. Uh (laughs) I just love it and respect it so much. Um, He starts writing for Punch in 1906. Punch. Uh, He did serve in World War I despite being a pacifist. He was like a signaling officer. uh, So he didn't see combat, I don't think. Uh, or at least, like, didn't wield weapon. I don't know. Whatever. Um, he was discharged <laughs> due to Ill- illness, and he did serve in World War II. He wrote some uh, passages critiquing uh, P.G. Wodehouse, who I think when we talked about him a little while ago, uh, he did some broadcasts from captivity in Berlin. Oh, boy. That, you know, was, like, still critiquing Germany, but, you know, he was getting pushback for even talking to them at all, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Milne wrote some plays. I won't even go to a Texas Wodehouse because I am so offended by those broadcasts that he did. <laughs> it's going to be a good year. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, he, wrote, he wrote some plays, Milne did, uh, one called Mr. Pym Passes By. I, in high school, I think we did a short play of his that was an adaptation of The Ugly Duckling. Um, always thought, just like, oh yeah, I'm doing an A.A. Milne play. That's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. He wrote a bring det- it back uh, HCA too. Nice. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he wrote a detective novel called The Red House Mystery in 1922, which among other things got included in that essay Raymond Chandler wrote about which mystery stories are bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, he does start writing light verses for children, um, poetry and such. The first collection was When We Were Very Young. Published in 1924, and that's kind of where I think through mostly Pooh, we now think of this as what Milne was up to, Um, writing (sighs) fanciful, whimsical tales and turns of phrase and this little magical kid's world that he wrote Winnie the Pooh in 1926, House of Pooh Corner in 1928, there was another thing called Gallery of Children in 1925, and that's about it for like this st- style of writing for him. Yeah, and he he died in what like 56, 55, yeah, 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 and then like the mid 50s, and yeah, this is by far what he's best known for. I think he considered it kind of a blip in his career and was sort of frustrated by the fact that he got pigeonholed as, as a children's author as the after these yeah, became for sure. Super famous, and I also am given to understand that his son, mm-hmm. uh, who Christopher Robin in these books is modeled on, uh, was pretty, was, at best, had a difficult relationship with this character and with 
like his fame as as relates to the poo the poo universe the poo universe <laughs> um man you're coming out swinging this year no, that's, that's um awful. the yeah he just like even leading up to poo like he never wanted to do the same thing for too long like it's why he is, you know, he starts writing in a humor magazine and then he's writing a mystery novel and then he's writing That's children's presumably stuff. presumably why he'd studied mathematics and yeah. then started writing it all. Yeah, he's just interested in different things and he yeah. kind of can't do that anymore after after Pooh takes off. I'll, I'll circle back and talk about his illustrator, E.H. Shepard, who's also like critical to where, you know, our modern idea of Pooh comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this these whole books, they're based on, you know, Christopher Robin is based on his son whose name was Christopher, but they called him Billy. It was his nickname. Um, who is purportedly based on a bear that they saw in the London Zoo named Winnipeg, and also a swan at their neighbor's property named Pooh. Mm-hmm. Um, they combined it. And then the visual reference for Winnie the Pooh was actually a, a toy bear that the illustrator E.H. Shepard's son had. Uh-huh. And I guess you can go to the spot in the woods where they used to walk around that is the Mm -hmm. 100-acre wood. It's in Mm -hmm. Ashdown Forest in England. You could go there. Mm -hmm. There are coordinates. I mean, I don't know know if Eeyore's there or not, but, you know. I hope he's okay. Eeyore (laughs) seems like he needs a lot of help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm... Just mentally... I found an article called A.A. Uh, a. Milne and the Curse of Pooh Bear from 2016 by Amanda <laughs> Ruggieri. Are we sure this isn't like uh, that slasher film? That no. Oh, you mean Pooh Winnie the Pooh, the Blood and Honey? Domain? We'll talk yeah, about Winnie one. the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Okay, because um, I think A.A. A. Milne and the Curse of Pooh <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like, yeah. So that's for BBC, um, and she kind of talks about what you were alluding to, Andrew, you know, he wrote seven novels, five nonfiction books, 34 plays, numerous stories and articles. He was a screenwriter, and here he is. He's the man who wrote Winnie the Pooh. That's all he is known for. Yeah. Um, he said in an inter- introduction to his play, The Ivory Door, it seems to me now that if I write anything less realistic, less straightforward than The Cat Sat on the Mat, I am, quote, indulging in a whimsy. <laughs> <laughs> I should be accused of being whimsical about cats, not a real cat. But just a little make-believe pussy, such as the author of Winnie the Pooh invents so charmingly for our delectation. Mm-hmm. Uh, his son, Christopher Robin, was made very, very famous, was put in a lot of photographs, was made to make like phonograph recordings of the books, mm-hmm. performed for parties with hundreds of guests. Uh, and when he was at school, like people teased him and played the records like at him, essentially, which seems mm-hmm. really mean. And then when he left university, he was trying to get a job and like he couldn't escape the shadow of, of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Um, what did Milne say? I feel that the legal Christopher Robin has already had more publicity than I want for him. I do not want C.R. Milne to ever wish that his name were Charles Robert. Uh, and then what Christopher Robin said in pessimistic moments when I was trudging London in search of an employer wanting to make use of such talents as I could offer. It seemed to me almost that my father had got to where he was by climbing upon my infant shoulders that he had filched from me, my good name and had left me with nothing but the empty fame of being his son. That, I mean, I, I, I won't say I understand what that feels like. I, I am, I can empathize with that. I'm sure it must be frustrating to feel 
like you are famous without having sought it out or or asked for it. Yeah. I do think that's a little hard on old AA. I think it probably is. I mean, especially when like parenting today is like exploiting the seven kids you had on YouTube for ad money. Like I like I don't yeah. I don't think that you can really that he did not know what exploitation was. I don't think uh, by today's standards. I don't know. I mean, it's, got, it's certainly gotten worse and easier for more people to do it. Yeah, in a in a way that is public, um, rather than just you know private exploitation. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it seems like it was rough. Seems like it was a bad time to to you know be Christopher Robin. Which is a yeah. bummer because people. Yeah, it's too bad. I think you know people love these books and it's yeah, a, these are these are very sweet books and it is it's really it's too bad that the people who are most closely associated with them had such complicated relationships with yeah. them um yeah. the illustrator e.h shepherd ernest howard born in 1879 died 1976 um you know he went to the royal academy schools he was having illustrated editions published in the early 1900s and then was working at punch which is where he was connected with uh milne in the 1920s and that's they where they co- collaborated on when we were very young. And he also later in his career was like, I did other stuff than draw that silly bear. But I guess I'm glad that Milne gave me a cut of the royalties because yeah. it defined this character forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and speaking of like royalties and rights, you know, as we transition to talking about the public domain, uh, who was it? Steven Schlesinger is the guy who got all the initial merchandising rights and commercialization rights to Winnie the Pooh and would wind up like licensing it to Disney for many, many years. And then when Milne dies, she sells the rights to him, um, as do other people. To him being? To Schlesinger. Okay, all right. Um, And then Schlesinger dies, and then his widow sells all the rights to Disney. Mm-hmm. And then other beneficiaries sell their stuff to Disney. So now mm-hmm. Disney has like all of the poo rights, except the ones that are in the public domain. Now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is worth noting that the British copyright extends for another few years. So if you're in Britain, go wait. Yeah, because Britain is one of the death of the author yeah. Yeah. countries, yep. I think. Yep. Not, and not in like the, the metaphorical, <laughs> like analytical way that the death yeah. of the author is discussed, but no, in the, in the way sure. that it is literally mathematically related to the year that he died <laughs> so you want to talk about public domain andrew and why it's a little bit interesting to you yeah because okay so the um the most recent uh adjustment to copyright law in the united states at least the, the yeah this is what we can talk one, about yeah um is 1998's copyright term extension act it's also sometimes known as the sunny bono act or the mickey mouse protection act sunny bono was just, he was a congressman uh, later in his life, he actually died in 1998 before he could vote for this, but he'd sponsored similar legislation before and it was named for him. Yeah, because I believe his yeah. his like spouse at the time like took his seat or something like that. Uh, Mary Bono, his widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, this is Sonny, Sonny of Sonny and Cher. If yes. you're not, if you don't, if you can't <laughs> place the name. Yeah, same guy. <laughs> um, the very, very short version is that it lengthened copyright to 95 years after the date of publication, up from 75 years previously. Yeah. Um, and so, so the, the relationship between the public, do- the public domain and copyright is interesting. Copyright exists, like, let's give it the benefit of the doubt, I guess, and say that copyright exists 
to incentivize people to come up with new ideas. Yeah. And so they can like, so they have a nice cushion of time to like benefit from the new thing that they have created. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it passes into the public domain where other people can then build on it. Yeah. Um, And the the way that it works in the U S is just like, there's a very, very long gap between when something comes out and when it becomes public domain. And for many years, it was just extended over and over again. Like it's, Mickey Mouse is a big reason why that happened. Like obviously Disney lobbied a lot for that to happen. They weren't exclusively the reason why this, this bill passed. Like there were a lot of other corporate interests involved in continuing to extend copyright. (laughs) I think think Mickey is usually like the avatar of it. And the reason why 2024 is a big one in public domain is not, I mean, not this poo thing though, you know, Winnie the Pooh's great, but it's the year that the very first Mickey Mouse cartoons, namely Steamboat Willie, and I think one other one. Plain crazy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and also the characters of Mickey and Minnie Mouse themselves enter the public domain for the first time. So like symbolically, it feels like both a, a celebration of the public domain and maybe just like, boy, our congressmen can't even, our congresspeople can't even get it together for long enough for, to protect corporate interests, right, anymore. <laughs> I don't know, it's a little bit of both things. Uh, I I breezed through an article um, on the on the U- University of Duke University. Duke. Oh, is this the Jennifer Jenkins one about? Yeah, Mickey, Mickey, yeah, Mickey, no, this Disney, is and the I public a domain: a ninety-five yeah. year love triangle by Jennifer Jenkins, director of the Duke Center for the Study of the Public Domain. And the thing that I found that helpful in understanding is obviously like the ways in which copyright is not trademark, and like yeah. trademarks can go on forever, but there's been some interpretation of copyright law that makes sure that you can't use trademarks to extend copyrights forever. Yeah. And there's a good on that page, there's a good Mickey mouse shaped diagram of what like does and does not become legal (laughs) when steamboat Willie goes and enters the public domain. And you Uh, may tomorrow as we record this today, as you're listening to, you may notice that in a lot of the current like Disney animation stuff, whenever they do their logo, there's like a little steamboat Willie that plays. I saw this when I watched the movie frozen. Yeah. 2013 for the first time and i, I this week <laughs> i think that you can still use the images and stuff from steamboat willie but like it it further muddies the waters on purpose to make sure that you don't use it for any branding purposes yeah like so, the, the, you know. the the biggest things are one you cannot create the impression that disney had anything to do yes. with like creating or sanctioning your work so yeah. if for example in our public domain smash brothers style fighting game that we're going to do yeah uh-huh uh we could include mickey mouse now but we could not include uh walt disney's mickey mouse correct <laughs> i don't think like that would be too I don't even know that would if, be too much i don't even know if we can let him have gloves it's it that one's a little tough because th- this this gets into the muddier waters yeah. so like the, the version of mickey in the public domain is like the weird little rat boy <laughs> Yeah. Who's in Steamboat Willie and not like the Fantasia version, nope. not like the the uh, Red Pants version, who I think is like the modern model yeah. for Mickey Mouse. I think the Fantasia one is 1940, so 17 or 16 years from now. Okay, can't wait. Domain. Exciting. Yes. Can't wait to chop up those clubs. <laughs> Similarly is like <laughs> Winnie the Pooh with the shirt. So that's that's yes. Yeah. So so Winnie the Pooh is depicted in these books typically is just a naked bear. Yeah. Um, and it's only later in the the more Disneyfied versions of him that he goes sort of Porky Pig shirt no pants. 
<laughs> but the, I mean, there there is some debate as to whether, like, is it copyrightable to put like a bright shirt yes. on a on an animal? Is it copyrightable to say that this mouse speaks with a high voice? Like, it, it is. I think if you were being too aggressive about it and doing it too publicly, yeah, like Disney would probably try to take you to court. And with the courts the way they are now, like who, who knows? knows? Truly yeah. Who knows yeah. what would happen? Um, a lot of the the stuff that the Jenkins says in this in this Duke article are like, yeah, most people will probably play it safe and not do like public domain Mickey with like red pants with yellow buttons on yeah. them or whatever. Like yeah. you, you would just you'd probably proactively avoid that so as to avoid Disney trying to bring the hammer down on you. Yeah. But it's not necessarily illegal to do that. Nope. Um, um, you know, we, we mentioned there was a uh, Winnie the Pooh horror film called Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey that came out recently um, where Christopher Robin abandoned Pooh and Piglet and then they became mass murderers or something. I watched the trailer. Uh, oh, boy. Hope you had like fun if you watched it. slasher movie yep. and it... It's like it's the laziest possible thing to do with the the characters, I think. But it did achieve some so Andrew, virality are, on the internet. They're already because, planning Blood yeah. and Honey two because of okay. Tigger. So I'm going to send you a photo <laughs> of the Tigger images that have the Tigger image that yeah, has been released. Come on, he just looks like a dog. He looks like a mean dog. He's got blood on him. He's a man yeah. in a Tigger mask. Yeah, I mean they can't. Did they? They can't kill Christopher Robin again. Can they? Did that they? I don't know. Yeah, that seems weird. Um, all right, well, uh, but the yeah, Jenkins, I think, I just wanted to yeah, get yeah. this in here. It summarizes well the relationship because we talked about this in our Snow Queen episode, which yeah. may or may not be up on the main feed now. I don't remember, but we also talk about some public domain and and Disney stuff in that. So, uh, hence the triangle. She says uh, Disney is both an emblem of term extension and its erosion of the public domain, and one of the strongest use cases in favor of the maintenance of a rich public domain. Mickey is the symbol of both tendencies. Ironies abound. It may not be exactly the same as an oil company relying on solar power to run its rigs, but is definitely in the same massive irony zip code. <laughs> Uh, all of this makes the year when copyright finally expires over Mickey Mouse highly symbolic. The love triangle between Mickey, Disney, and the public domain is about to evolve and perhaps even resolve in real time. So Neat. just just saying, you know, Mickey was built on like Charlie Chaplin and a bunch of other yep. stuff that had just kind of entered the culture. Yep. Um, and Disney has done that a, a bunch with, you know, traditional fairy tales. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's good it would be good if other creators were allowed to then take ideas where Disney left them and carry them on into something else if yeah. they want to. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure what we will see is like Mickey, like Mickey porn or something that's like just, just whatever the, whatever sure? the mm. easiest, broadest attention grabbingest 2024 internet uh, version. You ever been yeah. to google.com? <laughs> Well, I'm yes. I mean, like maybe theatrically, theatrically released, Mickey porn. Okay. I don't want to say there's no like fair use we have Mickey to, Mouse. Porn we have to save there. the movie theater somehow, Andrew. Yeah. They're dying out there. Yep. 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 Taylor Swift concerts and Mickey porn. That's what's going to do it. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, and then you can tell me about the house at Pooh Corner. Okay. <laughs> Craig, this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Glad to hear it. You know what? what's not imaginary? Like the 
creatures in the Hundred Acre Wood. Oh, they're imaginary. Um, no, what else is not imaginary? Websites. They are real. <laughs> Websites are real, and Squarespace can help you make them. That's yep. what we like about them. That's true. It's a website that helps you make websites. They give you 24-7 award-winning customer support, easy-to-use templates, all kinds of other e-commerce and analytics tools that you need to make a website and then to make it succeed. Squarespace. It's pretty good. I I hate getting lost in the 500 acre wood that is the internet. And I'm so glad to have Squarespace as my guide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an even, see, the internet's an even bigger wood than the 100 acre wood. It is. 500 acres of internet. (laughs) Uh, It's sloshing around. It's faster than honey. It's the fluid engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace. It has never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with a best in class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. Squarespace gives you flexible website templates. Uh, Get started with one of their professional website templates with designs for every category and use case. Then customize your look, update content and add features to fit your unique needs. You can make any Squarespace template do what you want so your idea, brand, or business stands out online on every device. And they also have powerful blogging tools that help you share stories, photos, videos, and updates, categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. So if any of this sounds good, imagine yourself going to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. All right, Andrew, take me to this little bear's house that was created (laughs) in 1928. Mm -hmm. All right, so you read many, many years ago. Oh, boy. So long ago that I didn't remember whether I had read this one or not. Yeah. So you read the original Winnie the Pooh book. Do you remember anything about it just off the top of your head? Huffalumps. Heffalumps. Heffalumps. Uh Um, Searching for heffalumps. (laughs) Hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just do you remember anything about like the qualities of the prose or just like your your general takeaways um, from no i, I don't know book? that i couldn't i could quote it to you like Pooh, as we we probably discussed 10 years ago like i did not i grew up watching those like like classic disney cartoon adaptations like the mm-hmm. blustery day which i think yes, may right, actually right. include some of the stories from this book I think the whatever, um, whichever one Tut Tut looks like Rain is in. Yes, yes. Um, Tigger, obviously, big hit. I was a big pig, Piglet fan as a kid, and like everybody the, likes Piglet. The the quality that I remember from Winnie the Pooh is like sort of the there's it's it's whimsical, it's poetic, it, it all of the um, sadness is like confined to Eeyore mostly um, <laughs> as opposed to something like Charlie Brown where like everybody's sort of sad yeah just like every child is depressed yeah the, Winnie the Pooh is very like th- there is characters do have bad feelings but everything is so kind of floaty and dreamy and so little like sticks with yeah. these characters that they don't really no one really inhabits bad feelings except for Eeyore, whose whole deal is bad feelings. Yes, yes, yes. And who yes. honestly kind of seems happy there sometimes, <laughs> like paradoxically. Yeah. Uh, so what is this collection like, Andrew? What is it like? It's So I, I, I read the first one 
like as a as just so I could talk about any yeah. like stylistic differences because these are it like you you said there was that other small collection of, of things but, but and that was two, not all poo it's like there was yeah, like a right, poo like, story in it or something yeah like but but these are like the bulk of the text upon which the poo empire has been built yeah and yet there's this I I I liked the I liked House at Poo Corner I will say I don't think I. I don't think there was anything in it I liked quite as much as some of the stuff that I liked in the first one. Like okay. there, there are always. So here's a here's a bit from the first book that I that, that I think is hilarious on like three different levels, <laughs> including the wordplay. Okay, the wordplay level. Sure. So this is about Piglet and the house he lives in. Great. Uh, next to his house was a piece of broken board which had Trespassers W on it. When Christopher Robin asked Piglet what it meant, he said it was his grandfather's name and had been in the family for a long time. Christopher Robin said, you couldn't be called Trespassers W. And Piglet said, yes, you could because his grandfather was. And it was short for Trespassers Will, which was short for Trespassers William. And his grandfather had had two names in case he lost one. Trespassers after an uncle and William after Trespassers. (laughs) Yeah. Heck yeah. (laughs) So first, you know, a sign that obviously said, used to say trespassers will be shot or something on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Being transformed into this like misunderstanding about our grandfather name. And then the, you know, he was named after his uncle. And then the word William physically comes (laughs) after the word trespassers. And just like seamlessly doing that kind of weird. Yes. Like floaty whimsical wordplay is is most of what the book is like it's most of what makes it enjoyable to read i mean all the the characters are very cute and there's a lot of good like just like childhood like calvin and hobbsy kind of stuff in here but the reason to read it now is mostly because all of this prose just kind of owns still what's coming back to me is like it's the the quality that really makes it sing is like Christopher Robin, who is a child, yeah, is also encountering childlike behavior and ways of thinking through his animal friends that are, you know, they're always stuffed animals, but they have their mm-hmm. lives in the forest and he learns yeah. about them. And so you get the the dual kind of like the kid or the adult reading the book to the kid gets to talk through some of this fun kid logic but like you tell me i've i have met four and five year olds who have said wilder stuff exactly like that to me yeah. and it's really fun to engage with yeah okay mm-hmm. but you, you uh, found is like what is the is there a, a deep step down for poo corner or is no, it just, no, 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 you know? not a not a deep step down like if anything it's very consistent and it's just like how when you are eating like your when you're getting toward the end of like a third or fourth piece of pizza, you're yeah. not enjoying the pizza on quite the same primal <laughs> level as you were when it was fresh. The first time you took the first piece sure. of pizza. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, we can't all, sophomore albums are tough, man. It's like <laughs> that's like a well known thing. Sure. Um, so yeah, this like this is all good. It's just it's you know if if you if you were gonna read one of them, obviously you read the the first one. And this has Tigger, who is like an indelible character, and especially became like the Urkel of the franchise. <laughs> he did starting You're in right. like later later animated adaptations. <laughs> in so far as he t- kind of took it over, if you sure. don't understand what Urkeling something is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're right. You're not a hundred years old like we are. <laughs> um. 
So yeah, it's a collection of 10 stories. They're kind of told in chronological order. Like, you know, things that happened in previous stories are remembered, including stuff that happened in the previous book. Great. Okay. Um, but, you know, you kind of start from, you start from knowing like the basics of what these characters are about at the beginning of each story. And that's all you really need to know to, Love to it. enjoy them. Um, so the first story is uh, chapter one in which a house is built at Pooh Corner for Eeyore. And Great. Which is, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> but the the way that the story unfolds is very is very poo because poo and Piggly are hanging out. They decide they want to build a house on for for Eeyore, and in doing so, so they they go and they find a big pile of just a big pile of sticks. There's a big pile of sticks over there. It would be perfect for a house. And it becomes clear later, as we in a separate scene with Eeyore and Christopher Robin, that Eeyore has has a house and he's lost it. And it turns out that Pooh and Piglet's like pile of sticks was Eeyore's house, and they just like took it down and rebuilt it somewhere else, like trying to do a nice thing for Eeyore. <laughs> oh, no. And they build the house there, and Pooh decides that this place should be called Pooh Corner. Okay. And Piglet helps by finding the sticks. Yeah. And Pooh says, thank you, Piglet. What you've just said will be a great help to us. And because of it, I could call this place Pooh and Piglet Corner if Pooh Corner didn't sound better, which it does, being <laughs> smaller and more like a corner. <laughs> I could just hear, I don't know, when you when you just say it out of context like that, Pooh sounds like way more of an egotist than I remember. I could just hear that but he doesn't of... like He doesn't mean anything by it. And Piglet <laughs> will ultimately agree, like, yeah, you're right, Pooh corner is a better name for a corner than Pooh and piglet corner i just like listening to my mind's image of his voice saying yeah you know putting mm-hmm. down piglet oh piglet <laughs> sound better as Pooh corner yeah uh voice actors uh sterling holloway did like the old okay uh like blustery day and wayne the Pooh and the honey tree uh shorts sure and then uh since 1988, Jim Jim Cummings has been the okay. voice actor. Yeah, and I hard can't. To know. Yeah, I have not listened to a side by side of their two voices, but as happens once, like a character's voice is established in animation, probably the subsequent voice actors are just like doing their version of whatever the original guy was doing. <laughs> yeah, because we were worried about what Chris Pratt was going to do to Mario, and he, you know. I mean, he blew all our minds with something he we really- never could have imagined. <laughs> whatever it was, he said in that interview. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be you, you've never heard it before <laughs> okay so what okay so they build a house for eeyore they build a house for eeyore that's the first story and the Great. second story here he here he comes it's tigger tigger oh. comes to the forest oh, and gosh. has breakfast okay He's chapter two where'd he come from the jungle he just shows up and this happens in the first book too like midway through kanga and rue just kind of appear yes yes and it's it's done in a way and like christopher robin christopher robin knows the toys there like yeah he never the animal or whatever however you want to think of them yeah he's never surprised by the presence of a new character in this wood it is only the other characters who have to meet <laughs> the the and the other animal the new animal yeah and so it is very much in a like the the first book had a little bit more of a frame where there was somebody named Christopher Robin who is like being told stories by an unnamed narrator who's yes. like loosely implied to be the author. I remember I don't that. I think there is really as there's not really anything of that in this. Okay. Um but in, in both cases you have the it has the quality of 
a kid bringing a new toy home from somewhere for the first time. Yeah, and you got to integrate and the, it and the into the lore. The toy and the the other toys like meet the new one sort of one at a time as it as it comes up. This happens when Henry gets a new stuffy. Yeah, sure. And like, is it going to be a basement stuffy, a bed stuffy? Is it going to migrate we're, from one to the other? Is it going to rank? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, Brown and green turtle, obviously MVP, the king. irreplaceable. But yeah. there have been others who have come and gone. The emperor turtle. <laughs> right now, Simon has a animatronic penguin. That is the first thing he's really carried around with. He's got a very like my first friend, my enemy relationship with this penguin, though. <laughs> from does. the from the footage that I've seen of him interacting <laughs> with it, yeah, he bonked his face on that penguin by accident, and then put his foot on that penguin's neck while he made it sing a song. Yeah. So, eye for an eye, yeah. penguin. <laughs> Kid was born with a strong sense of justice. Yeah, so Tigger just like shows up outside of Pooh's door, just like making noise, and Pooh goes out, and he says hello. Uh, in case there was anything outside, hello said whatever it was. Oh, said Pooh, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, there you are, said Pooh, hello, hello. Said the strange animal, wondering how long this was going on. <laughs> Pooh was just going to say hello for the fourth time when he thought that he wouldn't, so he said, "Who is it?" Instead, yeah. Me. Me, said a voice. Oh, said Pooh, well, come here. So whatever it was came here, and in the light of the candle, he and Pooh looked at each other. I'm Pooh, said Pooh. I'm Tigger, said Tigger. Oh, said Pooh, for he had never seen an animal like this before. Does Christopher Robin know about you? Of course he does, said Tigger. Well, said Pooh, it's the middle of the night, which is a good time for going to sleep, and tomorrow morning we'll have some honey for breakfast. Do Tiggers Hmm. like honey? They like everything, said Tigger cheerfully. This sets up the crux of this book, where Tigger insists that Tiggers love everything or Tiggers like everything except honey. And every time Pooh tries to find Tigger a new food for breakfast, Tigger eats it, considers it, and is like, Tiggers like everything except all the stuff that you've just tried to give me for breakfast. Good. Yes. Tigger's very bouncy and rambunctious. He does not look... He he looks a bit more tigery than the... Like, he he does not take on the visage of like the disney tigger in yes this, in this book sure who is classic um, yeah um, he's a yeah he's a well well-designed character and like a more explicit like his tail is more explicitly spring-loaded i think in the disney version and yes. this he like bounces a lot but it's not i don't think he is bouncing on his tail like a pogo stick no in, in this book this he's looks just like, like bounding a around a lot because cats jump yes yes you know he is not like yes he doesn't have a a, a you know, spring attached to his butt in the same way that the film Tigger does. Um, Does any sort of wonderful, the wonderful thing about Tigger is that's an invention of a film at some point. That's not in here, is it? It's not in here. No, there's no, like most of the, the the poetry making and the song making is done by Pooh. There's no great. Okay. There's no, there's no wonderful thing about Tiggers. There's no, I T I double good earth (laughs) stuff. Like I, it's very much in the vein of this character. Like yes. I think there is a lot less distance between the Milne characters and like the modern interpretations of them than there are between like Steamboat Willie Mickey and yeah. modern Mickey. Sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's still some still some stuff. I assume you could get in trouble if you used in a yeah. public domain work with those okay. characters in it. Um, yeah, and just Pooh brings every like in trying to find what Tigger eats. He introduces him to everybody else uh tigger hits it off with rue who is kanga's kid Mm. uh, because they both are sort of childlike and they both enjoy bouncing around yeah um and what's the the thing that 
he eventually ends up finding that Tigger's like best is extract of malt. Yeah, malt extract. Yeah, which it's like not. What, like what we use for brewing beer? Yeah, but like we've tasted straight malt extract, like just, just to see what it was like. And Ew. it's not, I would not. <laughs> Ew, Tigger. It's, it's not unlike eating sort of a savory molasses. Like, Yeah, yeah, not. yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. No thanks. Yeah. But more for but Tigger, I guess. what Tigger loves best. And I yeah. guess it was like the 1920s, so they ate all kinds of stuff. <laughs> sure, yeah. Because of the war. They, could, they couldn't get anything I else. feel like I need to stop trusting Wikipedia pages that make that, that assertion where it's like, I don't know, the characters in this book were eating weird stuff because of war. It was because of the war. They didn't yeah. have good sugar. They had just had to take vaguely sweet things mm-hmm. wherever they could get them. <laughs> so what are the other stories kind of covering? We got the other Tigger stories introduction. Just, um, it's... Uh, so the blustery day story is in here. Okay, cool. Um, Owl's house blows over, and they have to find him a new house. Okay, Owl is Owl's a funny character in here because it's like he kind of is knowledgeable about things, and he can kind of read and kind of spell. He's almost uh, what, an adult. Like the big the big marker of how smart Owl is that characters come back to over and over again. Is that he can spell Tuesday <laughs> like rabbit <laughs> rabbit, who is one of the other smart characters. Yes. Um, uh, Christopher Robin depends on me. He's fond of Pooh and Piglet and Eeyore and so am I, but they haven't any brain not to notice. And he respects Owl because you can't help respecting anybody who can spell Tuesday, even if he doesn't spell it right. But spelling isn't everything. <laughs> there are days when spelling Tuesday simply doesn't count. <laughs> and then this comes back. Uh, there's a later section where before I think. Sh- I don't remember if this is where his house blows over. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, but he's thinking about it, how smart he is himself. (laughs) Uh, He could spell his own name W O L and he could spell Tuesday so that you knew it wasn't Wednesday. And he could read quite comfortably when you weren't looking over his shoulder and saying, well, all the time. (laughs) Just like smart with qualifications. He always has, he always has something to say him and rabbit both. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the biggest, energy they bring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's big smart guy energy. <laughs> okay. Uh, what other recognizable stories? I'm, so there, yeah, there's, there's blustery day. There's one where Tigger gets stuck up in a tree with Rue because he's saying, you know, Tiggers can do everything much like he was saying Tiggers can, Tiggers love to eat everything. Yeah. Um, and he climbs halfway up a tree, realizes that Tiggers do not actually climb trees. Oh and no. He gets stuck up there for a while. Oh, <laughs> um, and then there's like, I don't know, like what I, I want to talk about the last story because okay. it's it it knows it's the last story. Like Milne isn't leaving the door open to do another collection of these. I think oh, in, in real life, you know, his, his real life son, Christopher, was growing up and he was moving on sort of. Yeah. Like moving on. And, and, and also, you know, to the extent that. He did get inspiration from his children, as many, many, many authors we've read have yeah. done. You know, yeah. we've read tons and tons of books that allegedly started as like bedtime stories for kids. Yep, like yep. their their kids. Um, yeah, he just he just was not going to have like a, this story engine to to work off of anymore. Uh, probably the if 
if the real life Christopher Milne's like sense of exploitation came from anywhere, I think that's probably it. It's just like, you know, I, I thought I was playing with my dad or I thought I was telling him this weird story about a thing I did or I thought I was just like saying something to him and he took it and he put it in a book and now everybody's following me around talking about it at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Uh, well, yeah. To, close it out. I th- I don't, you know, I'm sure there are things from the cartoons that I might recognize, but I don't, I don't know that to bring it up. Sure. And yeah. the you've already answered the question I was going to ask, which is just kind of like in your you know, your cultural just understanding of these characters, it seems pretty true to how they appear in the stories, which is always kind of fun to encounter, you know, 80 years hence. Or yeah, every, years everybody, hence. everybody is pretty fully formed, even if there are specific, you know, copyrightable catchphrases that they have not, <laughs> they have not developed. Sure. Uh, chapter 10 is called Christopher Robin, in which Christopher Robin and Pooh come to an enchanted place and we leave them there. Oh, uh, so very yeah, and it's you know, they all the animals have become aware that Christopher Robin is going away. That's the first line of the of the thing. Christopher Robin was going away. Nobody knew why he was going. Nobody knew where he was going. Indeed, no one. Nobody even knew why he knew that Christopher Robin was going away. But somehow or other, everybody in the forest felt that it was happening at last. This is worse than Toy Story 3. Because yeah. in Toy Story 3, <laughs> like the toys are like somewhat conversant in human life and can be like, well, he's got to go to college. Yeah, right. There's there's like systems where we like go in the attic and then we get passed down. Yeah, and th- there's an earlier story in here where nobody knows what Christopher Robin does in the morning. And it's Ooh, that I like it. And it's it's that he is going to school and getting educated, and they eventually like figure it out, but they don't really know what that is. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's time for him to go away. So all the animals get together and sign a resolution, R I S S O L U T I O N, one of many like, you know, minor like intelligible misspellings that's like played up for comic effect in yep, the book. Yep, yep. All the animals sign it. Um. And they give it to Christopher Robin and all as he's as he's reading it, they all kind of drift away. Not not in a like fading into Thanos snap imagination. Way. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really exist like that fake Calvin and Hobbes comic kind of way. But they all just kind of drift off until it's just Christopher Robin and Pooh and they're walking oh. around in, in the wood. Okay. And Christopher Robin says, what do you like doing best? And I can read all of this because this book's in the public domain now. So (laughs) (laughs) what do you like doing best in the world? Pooh? Well said Pooh, what I like best. And then he had to stop and think because although eating honey was a very good thing to do, there was a moment just before you began to eat it, which was better than when you were, but he didn't know what it was called. (laughs) And then he thought that being with Christopher Robin was a very good thing to do. And having piglet near was a very friendly thing to have. And so when he thought it all out, he said, what I like best in the whole world is me and piglet going to see you and you saying, what about a little something? And me saying, well, I shouldn't mind a little something. Should you piglet? And it being a hummy sort of day outside and birds singing. I like that too, said Christopher Robin, but what I like doing best is nothing. How do you do nothing? Asked Pooh after he had wondered for a long time. Well, it's when people call out at you just as you're going off to do it. What are you going to do, Christopher Robin? And you say, oh, nothing, and then you go and do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see, said Pooh. This is a nothing sort of thing that we're doing now. Oh, I see, said Pooh again. It just means going along, listening to all the things you can't hear and not bothering. Oh, said Pooh. (laughs) And later, Christopher Robin says... I'm not going to do nothing anymore. Never again? Well, not so much. They don't let you. 
and it's just a, a nice and like heartbreaking little yeah summation of what growing up is is just like they don't let you do nothing anymore as much God. oh no <laughs> and they both sort of promise each other that they'll be there and christopher robin said Pooh said christopher robin earnestly if i if i'm not quite he stopped and tried again Pooh, whatever happens you will understand won't you understand what oh nothing he laughed and jumped to his feet come on where said Pooh. anywhere said christopher robin so they went off together but wherever they go and whatever happens to them on their way in that enchanted place on the top of the forest, a little boy and his bear will always be playing. And so, like, implying that Christopher Robin is going to try to come back, but maybe he's not going to. Yeah. And and maybe he knows he's not going to get to. Yeah. But, you know, somewhere these characters are off doing their thing still. Yeah. Hanging out. Yeah, it's I don't... Just, it's just a sad little slice. Of I had book. no idea that this story was here. That's like... Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know... Like I, I knew that he hadn't written any poo stuff after this, but I had, I guess, assumed that there was other poo stuff, maybe, well, or just, or just that it was, you know, a second collection done without, you know, maybe he didn't know it was ending, or he he wanted to leave it open for other stuff, or he just didn't want it to, you know, not not to put a period on the end of the of the sentence, yeah, because I guess yeah. that's the impulse of everybody who's doing creative. <laughs> stuff now is like why would you why would you close the door to the further lucrative opportunities yeah if you didn't have to with stuff Um, like this i always especially like you know characters that have endured for so long i always expect to like you know lift up the log and find a whole other colony like with like wizard of oz like most of us only encounter that as the movie and then you find out there are like 20 books 20 in Oz. Books, yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, what are we doing? Yeah. I thought there was just a lion, a witch, and a wardrobe. What do you mean there's a prince and then, you know. And a chair and, and, a, chair. and <laughs> a horse and a boy. And Ugh. then the one girl can't go to heaven or something. Like, yeah, because you put on too much because you like boys too much. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of refreshing to encounter this. And it, I think there's some of that with why people revere like Bill Watterson for Calvin and Hobbes just because of how Mm -hmm. we've, we've referenced that a few times this episode Mm -hmm. of just like Bill Watterson did not exploit a child for the six, you know, as part of the success of this franchise. And I guess, you know, Schlesinger is also responsible for how popular Pooh got in, in a multimedia way as well. Of course, you know, Milne signed off on that, but still, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, you know, something about Pooh, this is this does this match think about like when you would encounter cartoon characters on Facebook with like some mouthy quote attached to them or like you know like sassy yeah. Tweety Bird merchandise sure like sassy Garfield merchandise you know yes. animals with attitude I feel like there's no poo character who really got like mass market printed on like a plain white t-shirt like making the DreamWorks face correct like yeah daring me to <laughs> to think about how subversive and sassy they were being. No, I actually the I've encountered um there's a book there's at least one or two books. I've read one of them called like The Tao of Pooh where they take like they re they write a bunch of Winnie the Pooh stories or story like things that map to like Taoist principles. Like people are riffing on Pooh in a different way. You know, obviously Disney is has commodified it, but I don't think you have the same like, you know, when they every 20 years they need to find out what to do with the looney tunes again and most of it is print t-shirts that map to whatever the popular culture is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh no i don't think i've seen eeyore talking about dank memes or (laughs) 
<laughs> owl tell you you know rabbit would be the one to tell you get on the grind set i think mm-hmm. yeah i guess he'd be a little bit of a grind set kind of guy um yeah no i mean do we know for a fact that owl from winnie the pooh is the owl from duolingo who would just do weird like mukbang videos on youtube (laughs) check out my porridge and honey mukbang channel i'm not i'm not sure that that's not owl from duolingo no yeah it might be him we don't might be him i mean he's in the public domain now so hey I think that owl has a specific name, though. He's like Bingo or the owl or something. <laughs> what is Duolingo Do- owl? Just careful name. what website you use to search about the Duolingo his name, owl. Oh, his name's Duo. Uh, you can take another swing at that, guys, if you want. Yeah, I mean, Duo will be... When did the app first come out? Uh, well, yeah. Not, yeah I, don't know. I don't know when Duo enters the public domain, but he is a separate character. Going to be a while. Going to be a yeah. while. Him and Flo... Will you know enter the public domain around the same time? I'm sure. You mean flow from the progressive ads? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Duo the owl is from 2010. So in 2105, great. <laughs> we'll be able to use the original duo design, which had a D as the left eye, the U as a beak, and an O as the right eye. Whoa. He's not even green yet. He's not green until 2011. Look at him. So, yeah, we'll be able to use the original Duo of the Owl in 2101. This is like the FedEx logo. Mm. I don't think I'd notice this. They abandoned abandoned that idea, but... It's kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for telling me about this book, Andrew. You're welcome. And about all kinds of other stuff. It was a little bit of a rambly episode, but I think that serves the energy of the books. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty Fair well, enough. yeah. Uh, if you, the listener, have thoughts on Pooh the Bear, uh, or you want to talk to us about the public domain, you can send us an email over to pod at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We're on all number of platforms these days because some of the old standbys are... Hmm. Uh, over to Pod is where you find us. Shout out to Cheyenne, Becky, Morgan, Jeff, Clara, Sarah, Cole, and many more for reaching out in the past few weeks. Uh, our theme song is composed by Nick Larangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have the list of books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read. I think we're, we'll be ready with our January scheduled soon. Yep. I believe I'm the reason why it's not ready yet. <laughs> yeah. I could tell you what to read, but th- that's less fun. Yeah, uh, but what are you reading? Oh, we're next we're week? doing another public domain banger. One of our patrons' choice poll winners, Chat- Lady Chatterley's Lover by D. H. Lawrence. Nice. Okay. Um, we also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash overdue pod. Uh, support the show financially. Pay for our books and equipment, and to send our kids to school and daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super helpful. It's the thing that makes the show possible. So thank you to everybody who's doing that and everybody who's considering that, uh, you get access to bonus episodes early. You get access to our discord server. You sit in on uh, live streamed recordings, like the one we did recently of Hans Christian Anderson's the snow queen. Uh, and I think that's most, that's most of it. You get our, Oh, and, uh, the long reads shows. Yep. We just finished up stand by me on the public feed Yep. and on the private feed, we are a few episodes into, uh, stop Homer time about Emily Wilson's The Iliad translation. So join us for that. Yeah, check it out. And I think that's it, right? Yes, yep, that is. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. 
happy 2024 to everyone. We're going to make it. Yeah. Just white knuckle this thing. Oh boy. (laughs) And until we talk to you next week, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.